Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. As we continue our series of podcasts called The Deep End, we want to consider what we looked at this past Sunday. And this past Sunday in our sermon here at Wyoming Valley Church, we studied what we called the stronger man. And of course, that stronger man is referring to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we looked at three short stories from Scripture where Jesus victored over three strong men or three strong things that have a lot of power. And in the first one, it was illness. He encountered a man who was mute, blind, and demon-possessed. And the Lord came in with no struggle whatsoever and released the man from his sickness. In story number two, he encountered a man who was possessed by thousands of demons. And once again, Jesus went in with no effort and struggle whatsoever and released the man from the demon possession. In story number three, his friend Lazarus had died and he had been dead for four days. And Jesus went to the tomb where Lazarus was and he yelled into the tomb, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man walked out. And we we reflected on Jesus. We reflected on how much strength our Lord has and how much authority he has over even really strong and scary things such as sickness, demon possession, and even death. And it's with that that I want to consider and reflect on today that there's there's two groups of people in our churches, two groups of people that I think are affected by this lack of knowledge about Jesus being the stronger man. And that if we just knew this one thing, if we just wrapped our mind around this one thing, these two groups of people wouldn't exist. But they do exist. And I think they've existed for quite a while. But in our day and age, they're probably uh, even more rampant than they've been before. And I'll, I'll stop keeping you in suspense. Here's group number one. And I'm guessing they won't surprise you. In our churches, we have these people who are pretending to be Christians. And I say the word pretending, and I don't mean that necessarily that it's an overt, uh, purposeful thing, but there are people in our churches who believe themselves to be Christians. Now, they actually might be pretending. They might be carrying on some kind of facade and have other purposes, evil purposes. But I think there's a lot of people in our churches who believe themselves to be Christians, and they've learned the system. They've learned the religion. They've, they've learned what it takes to be a part of the church. They might even have the baptism and church membership in order. And they come semi-regularly, maybe even regularly, and they, they know the right language, they wear the proper clothing, and, you know, they got a lot of people fooled, including themselves. But the people who really know them, the people that spend time around them, don't see a lot of fruit, don't see a lot of evidence that they actually do belong to Jesus. And I think... If we would pause and think, we would all consider someone that we know who's in that category. And maybe if you were like me, you have been this person because I was that person. I was the person that for years was carrying this facade and I, I had learned behavior in religion. I had, like I said before, I knew what to say, how to dress. I knew certain Bible passages and I had a lot of biblical knowledge. But what I didn't have was a true love for the Lord. What I didn't have was daily disciplines. What I didn't have was zeal and purpose in following my Lord Jesus. And this kind of group does exist in our churches, and it is a sad reality. And even scripture talks about that, that there's wolves among the sheep. And these wolves aren't just wolves, because if you saw a wolf in the sheep den, you would get very alarmed and you would do something to protect the sheep. The problem is, is that there's wolves in sheep's clothing. They look just like sheep's sheep, and they act kind of like sheep, at least on the surface, but if you were to investigate and inspect them closer, you would find out that they're actual wolves. Now, Scripture does teach, I believe, 
that we, even pastors, are not in the position to start rooting people out of our church. It is not my job as a pastor to start digging so deeply into people's lives so as to find out who the wolves are. Because what can happen is I can make mistakes. I can gauge the fruit wrong. I can look at something and have a wrong perspective. And I can actually possibly harm someone who is actually a sheep and call him out to be a wolf and things like that. And that's not my job. But the scriptures do reveal that these people will be amongst us. I think the reason they're amongst us is because they don't have an understanding. And maybe we don't have an understanding, we who are actually in Christ, of how about how profound our Jesus is. About how profound the change that he brings to our heart is when we understand the gospel. Because there's a huge category of people that can fake it. And they can look like Christians. And I think the reason many of them can get away with that is because maybe the bar in our churches is so low that we kind of chalk it up to come every Sunday or come pretty often every Sunday. And, you know, make sure you're there. Make sure we see you from time to time. Watch your language. Watch your smoking. Watch your drinking. Come to an event. You know, bring a friend know a little bit of the Bible, and that's it, you know? And if if that's the bar, and I think in some churches, I'm not going to say every church, that is the bar. It's not hard for people to fake that. It's not hard for people to come in and feel at home if that's the standard. But when I looked at this lesson from the stronger man this past Sunday, I looked at what these three people must have encountered, okay? The guy who had been mute, blind, and demon-possessed, How much did his life change after he encountered Jesus? I I don't know. The scripture doesn't elaborate on that. But I want to guess, I want to assume that the man's life radically changed. If you had been mute, unable to speak, if you had been blind, unable to see, and had been possessed by a demon, and in a matter of moments, the Lord Jesus comes in and you are healed, cleansed. Do you think from that day on you're a different person? Do you think you have a lot more joy a lot more confidence? Do you think you are jumping around and sharing the good news that Jesus did for you? I think it would make such a mark. I don't think there's anybody in that man's life that didn't hear about the salvation that he had received that day. And I think it was obvious looking at the man that something had changed. I mean, he couldn't speak and all of a sudden he's speaking. He couldn't see it. All of of a sudden he can navigate himself around the world. And he was demon-possessed, and all of a sudden the devil had no control over this man whatsoever. I think that had to be an amazing impact. I don't think he could have faked that. I don't think you can fake seeing if you're blind. Not very well. I don't think you can fake speaking if you're mute. I don't think you can fake being demon-possessed and then having that demon removed and, and still act the same way. In our story number two, the man had been possessed by thousands of demons. And I don't know how long. It it looked like it had been days or weeks or maybe even longer than that. And Jesus once again came to shore and healed this man with no struggle whatsoever. And it looks like maybe from the tale um, that something cool happened, but we don't know how profound it was because the story gives a lot of details about other things. But I'm trying to look at the story from the man's perspective who had been demon-possessed. Thousands of demons resided in this man for probably at least weeks. And Jesus comes to shore and he heals the man. And the man went from being possessed by thousands of demons to in his right mind. 
functioning like a normal person. And if you had lived amongst this demon-possessed man and then saw this man after Jesus had encountered him, don't you think you noticed an entirely brand new man? I think you would have. I think this man was going to be completely different than before. I don't think it could have been faked. He couldn't have acted the way he acted before, after Jesus healed him, and he couldn't fake how he was now that Jesus had saved him from his demon possession. And in the third story, we obviously know Lazarus had died. Lazarus was dead four days, and then when Jesus came to the tomb, Lazarus was risen from the dead. And I know just by logic, that man's life was, was changed that day because he went from dead to having no life whatsoever, no heartbeat, no pulse, no decision-making, no mind of his own, no functions in his body whatsoever, to all of a sudden he's alive. He has relationships with his family. Once again, he goes home and sleeps in his own bed. He eats with his friends and family members. He has conversations. He has his five senses back. He can breathe. He can breathe in oxygen. He can see the world around him. Do you see how, how profound that must have been for Lazarus to go from dead to alive? But this first group of people that we have I think they're allowed to exist because I don't think there's a great understanding or maybe a great apprehension of what's going on once Jesus comes into the soul of a person. Because all of those stories that we shared are parallels for what happens in the, in the soul. And just because these people had received something profound, what, their gift was physical. Yes, demon possession it has a spiritual aspect to it as well, but there was a man who had been possessed by thousands of demons, and all of a sudden he was cured. And I marvel at these stories because of what they represent. What they represent is something spiritual in nature, that you and I were the ones that were sick spiritually, like the mute, blind, and demon-possessed man. You and I were the ones who were possessed by the devil. You and I were the ones who were dead in our sins. And a lot of us claim that Jesus Christ came into our lives, he forgave our sins, he saved us, he released us from the devil's bondage, and we are brand new people. And Jesus says to us, listen, if you have been saved by my grace, it will make a profound impact upon your life. In the book of 1 John 2 and 1 John chapter 3, the Apostle John speaks of this. He says, listen, if you have been controlled by the devil and now you're controlled by Jesus Christ, it's going to be noticed. It's going to make a mark. You are going to be a brand new person. That, that will be such a profound experience in your soul and in your life that you will take notice, others will take notice, and you will be changed. So much so that you went from living for sin to living for righteousness. You care now about the things of God versus the things of the world. You think about Christ, you love Christ, you can't wait to be around Christ. And the second group of people we have in the church is this group of people that actually are saved, myself included. I have tasted of God's grace. I have experienced his forgiveness. I have received his salvation. But there comes a time in my life where I lose sight of the stronger man. I lose sight of Jesus. I forget what he said in John 15, 5, that apart from him I can do nothing. And I get into this thing called autopilot in the Christian life. And I just kind of function as I normally function. I live a Monday like every other Monday. I live a Tuesday like every other Tuesday. I live a Sunday like just like every other Sunday. And I lose sight of the stronger man. 
And as soon as I lose sight of Jesus, I'm not near Jesus. And as soon as I'm not near Jesus, I lose the power. I'm not near the power. I'm not near the strength. I'm not near the teachings. I'm not near the truth. And that has an impact on me. And it has an impact on anybody. And sadly for group number two is they can be real Christians. They can have the victory. They can have the new profound nature. But they don't live like they have it. Because they're not near it. They're not seeing Jesus. They're not attached to the vine. And this is another sad category of people because these people have actually tasted of this victory but aren't living as if they have it. They're still walking in sin. They're walking in bitterness. They're walking in anxiety. They're walking in fear and guilt or whatever you want to put there because they've lost sight of Jesus. And those people are in our churches as well. And both of these groups of people I don't think would exist if all of us reflected daily upon the profound strength of our Lord. If we were like the person who had been sick with being mute and being blind and being demon-possessed and we were now cured, and we reflected on that every single day, going, man, remember how sick I was spiritually? I'm now alive. And the reason I'm alive is thanks to my Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, I'm not going to leave him. I'm going to find out where he is. I'm going to listen to his teachings. I'm going to put them into practice. What he says is my law. He is my friend. He is my ally. He is my strength. He is my vine. He is my bread of life. He is my light. He is my river of life, whatever word you want to use. And I'm going to be near my Lord at all times because without him, I remember what I was. And maybe for group number one, maybe group number one wouldn't be as comfortable in the church if we had more of those people I'm talking about more of those people that were so radically changed by Jesus that they were so recognizable as people who have been touched by the grace of God. They weren't just churchgoers. They aren't just people who can listen to a sermon. They aren't just people who can dress up a little bit on Sunday and sing some songs. They're people who can't stop bursting about what Christ has done for them. Do you think wolves would look more like wolves the sheep were like that, do you think we'd notice a little bit more of a drop-off of church member versus church attendee if the church member was completely ensconced in the things of Christ, completely enthralled with with his love, completely saturated by his teachings? I think there would. I don't think those two groups of people would exist. And I don't really mean to harp on those two as, as the theme of what we want to talk about today. The way I want to end this today is I want us to recognize the power, the strength, and the profound impact our Lord makes upon our soul for two reasons. For those of us who do have it, who have been forgiven, who have been saved, I want us to walk in victory. I want us to walk boldly and confidently. I want us to stand up to the devil. I want us to do bold things for God. I want us to advance the gospel to the dark nations around us. I want the world and the community that we see to see Christians as radically different, otherworldly people. And I want them most of all to see Jesus in us. And if we understand how much strength and love is in our Lord Jesus, I don't think it's going to be a problem at all for people to recognize that. And the people who have been saved, and if you're listening, if you have been saved and that's been tested and validated by fruits of righteousness in your life and walking in love and fighting against sin, then my exhortation to you today is to always, always be near Jesus. 
listen to his teachings. Pray to him as often as you can. Rejoice in him. Count your blessings. Be around him as often as you can. Be around those who love him as often as you can so that you can walk in victory and boldness and joy for the rest of your days. And if you're not, and I know what that's like. I know what it's like to go on autopilot and to do things in my own strength and my own abilities and to lose a lot of that joy and security and, and start to become anxious and, and worldly and angry and sinful and things like that. After I recognize a season like that, you know what I say to myself? Man, I got to get near the vine. I got to get near Jesus. It's been too long. It's been a weird season. I've been busy. I've been sick. Whatever it is, I got to get back to Jesus. And that's my exhortation for that group. But for the other group, and I, I, I want to assume at least that someone who might be listening today might be in that category. That they've been faking it for a long time. Or maybe they don't know if they're faking it, but maybe they don't recognize the sort of power that we're talking about. They don't recognize how profound it is when Christ fights for you to stand up to the devil and the sins that plague you and seem to bind you and hold you down to stand up to those sins and say, no longer. You don't own me. I can beat you. I can resist you. And I'm going to walk in righteousness. And maybe there's a group of people that have never experienced that because maybe Christianity boiled down to a family upbringing or a prayer that they said or an experience they had as a kid. But there's no power of Jesus residing within them because every single Christian who is a true Christian will have that power. And if there's anyone listening who might be in that category, then my exhortation for you is to find Jesus to go near Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to repent of your sins, to recognize what a different person you would be if you had the power of Christ residing within your soul and to not stop until you find it. And finding it isn't really like a treasure hunt, although it is a treasure. I don't think the Lord teases anyone with this. If you truly want his salvation, you can have it today. You don't have to go hunting and hunting and hunting and searching and exploring I think the Lord wants to see that it's important to you. But if it is important to you and you are willing to go find Jesus, you're going to find him. And he's going to save you. And when he saves you, you're going to know it. And when you know it, it's going to change your life and it's going to change multiple people around you. Because it's that powerful. And when David said in Psalms, my cup runneth over, I think what he was basically saying is my life, my vessel is not big enough to hold the grace of God. When the grace of God hits me, it pours over my cup. It spills into lives around me. It affects myself. It affects my family. It affects my friends. Has that kind of experience happened to you where Jesus Christ, the stronger man, came into your soul and changed you forever? If he has, glory to God and never leave that power, never leave that love, never leave the presence of Jesus. Go to him today, drink of that water, eat of that bread today, be nourished, be powerful, be profound for the kingdom of God. But if you don't know what we're talking about, go to Jesus today for the first time. Throw away your upbringing, throw away that past decision that you're clinging to and say, no, that's not good enough. I need the real Jesus. And I'm going to find him. And when I find him, I'm going to know it. And until I know it, I'm not going to stop searching. I'm not going to start, stop believing. I'm not going to stop my hunt 
until the Lord Jesus releases me from my sins, gives me the power and the strength to walk in newness of life so that I can be his and he can be mine. I pray that you would reflect on these things today and wherever you are in the Christian life, the application is the same. Find Jesus and get near Jesus. And whatever Jesus says, make it your law. Listen to him because he knows what he's talking about and he knows how to make us healthy and happy and secure for the rest of eternity. Many blessings to you. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.